0: Tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. Welcome, everybody. This is Roomtone, the show that takes filmmaking's community to your ears. I'm Ruggero, your host, and today is an extremely special day. It's going to be a very explosive episode dedicated to documentary filmmakers out there. We are blessed by the company of the veteran documentary filmmaker and chair of DocBC, David Vasebert. How are you doing, David? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome, man. Fantastic. I love it, man. What a wonderful day here in Vancouver. Broadcasting from CITR11.9 FM on Unseated Muscum land. The sun is shining. And here we are talking movies because we love it to all filmmakers out there a big hug to all storytellers tell- out there another big hug lots of love out there but let's just get straight to it man let's give a, a little bit of context up in here man who are you david i am the chair
1: of doc bc i'm a veteran documentary filmmaker i've been working in documentary for at least 20 years maybe 30 i can't remember anymore and uh, i love documentaries i love everything about them i love the process i love being with character i love to- observing people awesome observation eh that's a that's a key word right there yeah observation to me that the observation of life as it's lived over time is the most thrilling thing you can do
0: wow i like that all right i know this is gonna go great i know i feel it i have a good feeling about this as a documentary filmmaker you said 20 years in the making you know 20 years in the flow what's your take on this on this shift you know it's 2018 you know after 20 years in this world what's your take where are we going in terms of
1: documentary? Yeah. I, you know, it's a very exciting time, and yet it's also very, very challenging. You know, the equipment is very inexpensive now, which is amazing. When I was graduating from university, uh, the equipment was very, like, the stuff you can buy now um, for on your own would have been fifty to $100,000 when I was getting out of school. So, huge opportunity that way. But on the other end of the spectrum, you still have to make a living as a filmmaker. So t- films that are done over time have to be funded somehow. You can't live on nothing. You know, stories take time to unfold. So we have a challenge that just cheap equipment won't get your your film made. You need to find a way of supporting yourself while you make films. So these are the big challenges we face and they're very significant challenges.
0: I feel that. I feel that 100%. I know where you're coming from and I really feel it. Uh, the This moment here in 2018 and the uh, with so many techn- technological shifts, you know, so much happening. Uh, I want to ask you from where you come from, how did you as a filmmaker take on to this new technology? As, as things are shifting so quickly and you come from a different background, everything was big, different back then. How do you feel this shift has impacted the way the story is actually told? Well, for me, I decided
1: at a certain point about 10 years ago that I was going to abandon, uh, for a while anyway, to experiment with a form of filmmaking where I would buy my own equipment, set up everything on my own, like everyone else is doing nowadays, because I came from a previous paradigm where you'd hire crews, have an editor, have a cameraman, buy everything and do it on my own, and allow the story to unfold as it unfolded without any shaping on my part. So... That's the change that I took on. And it's a change that a lot of people are taking uh, to heart, right? As filmmakers, you can do whatever you want. But I had no idea where my story was going, the one I'm working on now, and how long it would take to unfold. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it took uh, about approximately six years to unfold, and we are now in the fourth year of uh, post-production, let's say. Wonderful. So what's the, what's the story? What are you working on right now? The story follows the uh, destruction of a social housing community in Vancouver, one of the biggest and oldest, Called the Little Mountain Housing Project. And because I lived within a one, uh, well, basically say three, three blocks from the site, I decided uh, I would make that my next film. This was in 2008. Previous to that, I decided that I'd wanted to make a circle around my home, a radius of six blocks. And in that radius, I would find my next documentary. Because I felt that I'd rather do something local. I wanted to to know something about the impact of international events in the city where I live. But not just the city, the neighborhood where I live. Mm -hmm. So instead of chasing down subjects that would happen elsewhere, anywhere elsewhere, Africa, China, England, wherever, the far north, I wanted it to be in my backyard. So... I found Little Mountain, and I went with it. I walked onto the site and started talking to people.
0: Awesome. Sounds great. Well, for all of you out there wondering, David is not the only one who's coloring the episode today. We are blessed by the company. Later on, is going is to join us, uh, the executive in charge of production of CBC Docs, Leslie Burchard. And we're going to actually have a nice, beautiful conversation. Uh, she's going to call in from Toronto. So we're going to have an extremely uh, interesting uh, combination, a beautiful melting pot. We have some ingredients up in here. We're cooking some stuff. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and uh, David here from Doc VC, uh, spreading and sharing some experience, some wisdom, and actually straight out of the bat, I want to ask you if there is a piece of advice for documentary filmmakers out there. Where should they go? What should they do? They have a story to tell. How can they do that in the best possible way?
1: Well, first of all, do your research. Know where you're. You know, know the, your, your, know your subject. Well, maybe that's not exactly true. Allow yourself the time to know your subject, and while you're getting to know your subject. Bring your camera and slowly build the trust you have with your s- subjects over time and then see where the film goes. I think that's a very good way to work as a documentary filmmaker.
0: Mm, following the flow. Get a Follow preparation. The flow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in fact, once you've brought your camera into the scene and you're doing your research, um, that part can be part of the film as well. You know, so you slowly build out character over time. And as you get to know them better, they start to forget you brought a camera. This is the kind of a flow that the Mazel's brothers, uh, who did films like Grey Gardens* back in the '60s, uh, used to approach their subjects, and they made some of the most seminal documentaries of our time.
0: Hmm. Okay. I guess there is that sense of feeling and observation again. You know, yeah. getting that intuition. Now that's that's my process right now. Yeah. Is there a moment in your life in which intuition really, really oh, guided yeah. you? Oh yeah. When you well, When you? Well, it's all intuition,
1: right? Everything you do as a filmmaker intuition Mm. it's like what do you you go somewhere and you see something happening and you think that's uh going to go somewhere because i i know there's there's a disaster looming into the case of this documentary i knew there was a disaster looming i knew just right away that something wrong was going to happen i thought well if i follow this i'll find the
0: characters who will bring me through this and we'll learn something together Wonderful wonderful yeah and what about your first experience as a documentary filmmaker? How was it how was oh. that That was crazy I mean I had an uncle who was a brilliant child prodigy
1: violinist and I'd always wanted to make a documentary about him So mm-hmm. I went on a large huge journey across across the world through Russia where he grew up through through the uh, Scandinavia through Israel through Belgium to New York and it cost a whole lot of money and the National Film <laughs> Board paid me to do it. But it was a hell project. I'm telling you, my first project, it was so big. And there was so much money involved and so much pressure. It just drove me crazy, practically. I see. And that, that was, was your, the first project? The that first was my project. first experience. So we, oh, okay. we used film. We have, were carrying around hundreds of pounds of film, jumping onto planes, going all around the world. It was crazy. But it also took several years to develop. And I researched it over several years. Um, and the only reason why I got the film made, which is, I guess, one of the biggest lessons, is I persisted. I did not give up
0: wonderful oh look at that well i guess that comes back every time eh? whenever we talk movies especially consistency that that's another key word right there Persistence. yeah persistence i guess is my key element
1: just persist and then get it done you know be the person who uh who who lives up to his promises and uh, makes the film that uh, people are waiting to see
0: beautiful That sounds great. I want to ask you one last thing before we take a little break and we get Leslie in here as well. Uh, I actually want to ask you about your artistic background. Do you have any other uh, part of yourself in the arts, involved in the arts somehow? I'm so curious about that. Yeah, well, part of my soul is in singing. I love to sing. I've
1: been in choirs uh, for 40 years, 30 years. I've been... I love to sing, and uh, so uh, it's another part of my life. I love to express whenever I can.
0: Wow. And why singing specifically? How come? It's such a direct emotional... Singing is the
1: most direct way you can express emotion. There's no other way of of, of, of letting that out. I, I did a bit of acting when I was in university, and acting is great, but acting takes the emotion through a number of different uh, processes to get to the, uh, the end result, right? There's a script. Singing it's just so elemental Mm.
0: so close to the heart i love it. it it becomes interesting to see how you talk about it because there is a definitely a connection between that and your documentary soul you know they they diverge and they express in different ways but i can feel you know just like you're you're trying to project a voice out there especially for filmmaking you're almost trying to teach someone else how to sing through documentary filmmaking you know you're giving them a voice You know, that's a very interesting uh, story right there. I really like it. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a little break. David uh, chose the soundtrack of uh, the Blue Notebooks. It's a little bit all over the place. Uh, Really, you'll hear this soundtrack, you know, you know, I know you've heard this before. So we're going to take a little break and uh, get this beauty playing for us on air. And I'll catch you right after the break with Leslie. See you. Ciao, ciao, everybody. All right, everybody. Here we are. Welcome back. This is Room Tone, the radio show that takes filmmakings to your ears. Uh, Here we are. We just played the soundtrack of the Blue Notebooks chosen by one of our guests today, David Vasebird. And we have a surprise guest calling in from Toronto. She's Leslie Burchard. How are you doing, Leslie?
2: I'm good. That was like the best introduction I've ever had. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm
0: happy to hear it, but I'm even more happy to have you right here with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, just uh, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, she's uh, Leslie's executive in charge of uh, production of CBC Docs. And uh, this is an episode dedicated to documentary filmmakers. Here awesome. we are uh, talking movies, talking documentaries. And uh, I just say, let's dive right into it. What are we waiting for? I want to ask you first to give a little bit of context to the people out there who are you, Leslie?
2: Who am I? I am, uh, you're right, I'm an executive in charge of production at CBC Docs, and in particular, I oversee a strand of documentaries for CBC called Short Docs, which we started about two years ago, and uh, those are shorter form documentaries that have been commissioned by emerging Canadian documentary filmmakers. We release all of those online on CBC's digital platform. So my job is to um, hear what filmmakers have to say, listen to them, um, curate what we're going to go ahead with um, into production on, and then I work really closely with the filmmakers in helping them bring those documentary ideas to life and get them out to uh, Canadians to watch.
0: Mm, wonderful. Super tasty right there. Wow. So <laughs> uh, I want I wanna to ask the both of you guys right now, because everybody knows CBC, everybody knows DocBC, but uh, just to give, again, a little bit more content, a little bit more perspective on it. If an alien came down and asked you, what the hell is CBC and what the hell is, is DocBC, how would you answer to that? Someone who doesn't know anything about it, how would you answer that?
1: Leslie, you want to go first?
2: Oh, uh, sure. Um, First, I'd say hello to the alien. And I would say that CBC is Canada's public broadcaster. um, And that our job is to tell Canadian stories on all sorts of different platforms. So radio, television, digital, and to reflect Canadians back to Canadians.
0: Mm. That's what I would say. That's a nice one, David. And I would say that
1: a documentary organization is Canada's premier organization that connects filmmakers, documentary filmmakers, together as a community but also advocates for documentary filmmakers and their needs uh, uh, nationally at, and at every level uh, to, uh, to make documentary filmmakers' lives better, but also to make, uh, to make uh, uh, better funds available for filmmakers. You know, it's a very important organization. It's an advocacy organization. It's a community-building organization. And uh, we've been around for uh, approximately 30 years now. Awesome.
0: Okay, so uh, we have all these beautiful words around documentary filmmaking, but what about documentary filmmakers? What is the function of a documentary filmmaker?
1: What is the function of the documentary filmmaker? Well, oh my God, that's a huge one. It's pretty wide. <laughs> what do you think, Leslie? You've a lot, we've both had a lot of experience, but...
2: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's... I think the function is to help tell real stories, like what's happening to real people. But i th- I think... It's also to entertain people, to inform people, um, uh, to shed light on stories that um, people may not know about, or may, or maybe they should know a little bit more about. Um, yeah, it is a very big and scope question. <laughs>
0: Of course, it's, it's of course. Yeah. For all storytellers out there, of course, it's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it, the function of telling a story in itself is pretty broad. But mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to hear from you guys because uh, there are so many people who, are, who have ears open right now. You know, ears yeah. are open, people are curious, and I actually have some questions from the audience out there. And we're going to start Ooh. with the first question, actually, from Arman. And Arman asks What kind of documentary ideas are your organizations typically most interested in producing?
2: Um, For CBC, I I mean, we're interested in a a lot of different types of stories. I would say in particular with um, what we're looking for in short docs are big characters. Um, I think, you know, big characters work really well um, always, but in particular in the digital space, which is what I'm commissioning for Big characters, active and unfolding stories where something is actually happening, where we're on the journey with the characters. Um, and and then in, also because I'm commissioning for the digital space, I'm looking for things that are shareable, that, that people, when they see this content come in their Facebook feed or their Twitter or whatever, that they're going to want to share that with their friends. So maybe it's a provocative idea or it's funny or it has some sort of... Um, really intense emotion that makes you immediately want to tell your friends about it.
1: Mm -hmm. How about you, David? How do you feel about that? I think that's a pretty accurate. I mean, I don't work for CBC, so I wouldn't know exactly <laughs> what their mandates are. I won't, although I know Leslie. Uh, she's a lovely person. She's hi. come to hi. <laughs> she's come to BC and listened to filmmakers give pitches for their films in person. I, I know everyone finds her just lovely to be with. Um, I think that uh, I think there. Yeah, there's the, the short form, which is, which goes digital. It's obviously about kind of grabbing attention right away and mm-hmm. and making a. a you know something that's shareable, and then the long form is obviously about character and time and and uh, you know events taking place. For for me, you know, I'd love to you know delve into communities that aren't well represented, and you know, so uh, I think it also doesn't. It depends on the subject and the way it's treated.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: wonderful. Okay, how about we moonwalk to the second question? This question comes from uh, Mickey actually, and he's questioning the appeal of short documentaries for festivals and online platforms in 2018.
2: hmm I, I think that the pe- appeal is just growing and growing. I can't believe how much things have exploded just even in the two years since we started the short doc strand at CBC. We've, in that time, we've commissioned over 60 short-form documentaries, and they've done incredibly well. And um, I certainly see other broadcasters and other platforms doing the same thing now um and then with regards to their popularity with with festivals I think um I think that festivals are following suit I think that to a certain extent festivals have um been showcasing short documentaries for quite a long time but I think because there's more and more of them out there now they're the festivals are finding ways to showcase them. I, I think it can be challenging, though, for festival programmers because you're trying to pair a short documentary often with, like, a feature and you don't want them to f- be completely at odds. You want them to sort of complement each other. So I think it can be a bit challenging to program them, but mm-hmm. um, but I would say they're not going away because um, people, I think people like the forum, people don't always want to sit and watch a longer Doc, and I I also think there's a lot of stories that don't need an hour or two hours to tell. That's a good point right there. There's a lot of really wonderful stories that can take you on a journey in a shorter period of time.
0: Wonderful. What's your take on that, David? Well,
1: I think the documentary is undergoing a huge resurgence. Uh, Film festivals are growing for documentary. People want to see documentary um, but on the other hand, and it's, it's disappointing that m- most of our, our, uh, our Canadian government's money to, that goes to, to, to uh, formats that are real go to reality television. And that's been a reality mm. for quite a few years, at least mm. 20 years. So like when I was getting into the business and I was uh, a younger filmmaker, you could go to uh, television conferences and then everybody was buying one-hour documentaries or feature documentaries. And then the whole thing dried up. And so mm-hmm. we are coming out of a period now uh I think we're starting to emerge out of a period of of you know um starvation as it were I lo- a lot of filmmakers I know left the business entirely and mm-hmm. did other things um and moving into an area where there is more money for filmmaking, and' it's it's in the short forms, largely. Um, and we still got to work on getting the longer farmers back.
0: Mm-hmm, I see, I see. From your words, uh, interesting, uh, a little bit of a mix, uh, mixed uh, uh,
1: response, well, right there. It's been documented. I mean, the Documentary Organization of Canada put um, a lot of money into putting some very significant studies into the history, uh, into documentary filmmaking throughout the '90s and the early 2000s, and documented the the crash in funding for the independent documentary. And uh, so we have a lot of work to do, and we have uh, the Doc Organization of Canada is now putting a lot of effort into going to Ottawa and meeting with all of the new government uh, leaders in terms of culture and uh, everywhere from the Canada Council through uh, Heritage Canada to talk about the value of documentary as a, a reflection of Canadian culture and how necessary documentaries are to understand Canada and to uh keep canada alive i mean keep keep canadian the discussion of what canada is going to be in the next century
0: i love it let's go look at this cheese. not bad at all man you went for it man 100 points for david right there all right <laughs> okay uh well th- after all that i got to i got to ask you guys uh, how can a documentary filmmaker make a living out of it
2: that's a good question i mean i think it can, i think it can be very difficult i think i think working as a freelancer in general whether it's in documentary or factual television or other areas of our industry can be challenging and i was a freelancer before you're always looking for your next gig right um but i do think um i think it's possible i think you just i I think sometimes especially early in your career you have to be somewhat flexible with the different types of projects that you'll take on so you might have to do certain types of shows that maybe aren't as much your passion so that you have money to be able to do your passion projects but you know I would certainly hope that with the um, amount of documentary content that's out there and and the fact that it is as David has suggested having this resurgence now like I, I hope that there's ways to do it full- time I certainly know people who are but it it's not easy Um, and you're always having to be a step ahead like you 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 might be in in production on one but you have to have a bunch of ideas for another one you can't just you can never just rest I would guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm very lucky you know I'm on on the broadcast side of it so I'm not dealing with that but I certainly see it I think that people who are successful just constantly have ideas they're constantly pitching
0: Interesting. Uh huh. That's mm-hmm. very. That's a lot of juice right there. And, and, and David, do you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah, I agree with that. No, that's absolutely true. You need to have more irons in the fire. I think mm-hmm. when you're a filmmaker, it's true. It's like that feeling you get in in August. When you you're reminded that September is coming and you're going back to school again. And uh, I don't know, I get that recurring nightmare where I, even though I'm not going to school, I know September is coming, so I better get my act together. I don't know what it is. It's <laughs> like that constantly, you're constantly going to have to get back in gear and get back in there and keep on, you know, pitching and developing new ideas. It never stops, you know.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm, never, never stops. stops. Wonderful. Well, I have another question from the audience. This is coming from Erin, and she asks, how can someone apply to be crew on a CBC documentary?
2: Um, now, with most of our documentaries, actually all of our documentaries are done by independent producers. So we're, we don't produce them in-house. We, we commission all these projects from independent producers who pitch the ideas to us, and then basically we give them the money and uh, they go off and make their documentary. So generally, the crews are hired directly by those filmmakers. Um, It doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes I I might be aware of an editor or a director or um, a camera person who is available, and I can make suggestions um, to filmmakers, but it really is up to the filmmakers themselves. So I think that... Being connected to organizations like David's organization is really smart because I, th- I think a lot of what you do, David, is you connect people, right?
1: Exactly. We have a lot of ways of, of connecting people. And uh, for instance, there have been mentorship opportunities that have come through Hot Docs that come through Doc BC, like Hot Docs Film Festival in Toronto, which is the biggest documentary film festival in Canada. They have various programmers for uh, programs for filmmakers, young filmmakers, and they have a mentorship program. So they will call us they, and they will connect to us and say, hey you want to send this out to some of your uh, experienced members and ask if they have any mentorship opportunities, any films coming up, any things that, you know, anything that a young filmmaker can benefit from. So we are the, we are the way in there. And we are also, mm-hmm. we're trying, Doc BC is trying to get some, mem- some mentorship programs going. But they are expensive. They need funding um, because, because uh, they take time and space. And people you know, need to be paid something for giving up their time and space.
0: Mm -hmm. I see what you mean right there. I see what you mean. So going back to CBC and the process application. So, for example, for independent uh, documentary film producers Mm -hmm. who are out there listening, how can they pitch and what is the process? Yes, what is the process of actually getting there? So
2: probably the easiest thing I could tell you would be to go to our website, which is cbc.ca slash shortdocs. And there's a red button on there that says, want to pitch a short doc? Find out how. And you click there and you'll find out all the information about what types of things we're looking for, how to submit. Um, and I would say, you know, it's a pretty simple process. We don't expect um, a huge amount of information from you, even if you're able to just put together a one-page document that describes your idea and what your creative approach would be to it. That's the key thing that we're looking for, first of all, if you have a little bit of footage to show us, Maybe to uh, of one of your characters, or giving us a sense of your style, things like that are helpful. But um, it's it's a pretty straightforward first step.
0: Interesting, and uh, I know that there are many people who are very very curious out there, and uh, myself included. And uh, I mm-hmm. feel we should actually get in there and uh, you know actually uh, discover a little bit more of the details of the process. How how long is the actual uh, process? When when are people going to receive an answer? And what do you base your the choices on, like, how does what happens in the background in the meantime?
2: So, we try our best to be um, to give an answer within four to six weeks. Different, different times of the year can be busier for us than other times, and so um, it's a small team, and we're trying to give thoughtful feedback to people. So, sometimes it can take a little bit longer than we would like it to,
0: mm-hmm. but
2: in terms of the process. Again, I think it's, it's quite straightforward. If, if, you know, you send us your initial pitch document, if we have questions, if we're not clear on what you're suggesting your documentary is going to be, then we'll send you back some questions. But essentially, we have a development team here at CDC that meets regularly where we look at the hundreds of pitches that come into us, mm. and we decide together... Um, what we think might work best. And that's based. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Part of it is, what do we already have in production? Do we have something that's very similar to this? Um, or did we do something in the past that's very similar? Um, trying to find a nice range of stories from a range of filmmakers, from a range of backgrounds is really important to us. So not just regionally in terms of you know, people from different provinces, but it's also about um, ensuring that we have a lot of diverse voices, um, and and people that aren't all from one type of background. So that's really important to us as well. And then a range of tone in stories. So are they all serious, or are there some funny ones in there too? Um, I think the, it it's it's a tough. Job making those decisions because it's so subjective. Sure. Um, and you want to say yes to everyone, <laughs> and it's a very, very difficult thing not being able to say yes. But on the flip side, it's really exciting being able to call people up and say we're really interested in moving forward on your project.
0: Interesting. Uh, so is is there uh, for uh, for the, the filmmakers out there is there a different is there a, always a, a specific amount of resources uh, or does it change is it the filmmaker that asks for mm-hmm. that or you guys choose that how does the how does the the engine work?
2: So um, if we like an idea we'll ask a filmmaker for a budget and we ask them to tell us how much money they need to make this documentary as we would that, I mean, that's the case with short documentaries, but it's also the case with our other documentary strands here at CBC, including P, um, POV and The Nature of Things, also the documentary channel. Like you, We want the filmmaker to tell us how much they need. So um, we'll provide a budget template and some guidelines just to make sure that they're ensuring there are certain key things that are accounted for in their budget. And then once we see how much... Um, they're looking at in terms of that budget, we'd have some back and forth because we might say, actually, I don't think you have enough money there or maybe you have a little bit too much money there. And then once we agree on a budget amount, we'll um, uh, connect the filmmaker with our business and rights team who will do a contract with them.
0: Beautiful. This is, uh, this is gold for uh, doc filmmakers out <laughs> there, getting to understand how it actually works. Because mm-hmm. it's not so easy, you know, like when you're out there and you're trying to make things happen, but uh, you don't know how the engine works, you're lost in the middle of a jungle, you know, and, uh, okay. and then it's, it starts to rain all of a sudden and you're like, oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? So it's part of the game, yeah. yeah. But uh, thank you for sharing all of that. And again, the CBC Docs is, is mainly, this is only for Canadian uh, filmmakers or uh, international filmmakers as well, when it comes to the Perfect. pitching process.
2: Right now, with Short Docs, we're really focused on working with Canadian filmmakers because, um, you know, I think they need uh, a chance to tell their stories. But um, um, international filmmakers have, uh, they can certainly pitch to the documentary channel. Um, But, uh, yeah, right now, CBC Docs, we're focused on Canadian filmmakers.
0: I understand. So Canadian filmmakers out there, just go for it. Uh, Send an email, make it happen. Uh, CBC docs on the independent page. It's a a great (laughs) opportunity. Uh, Now, uh, going back to funding, I actually want to talk with... uh, David, I want to ask you something real quick and uh, I would love to hear from Leslie uh, when it comes to funding in uh, 2018 uh, in Canada, you know, and uh, do you feel there is enough transparent funding? How do you feel about the the funding for specifically documentary filmmaking? Well, I mean... Uh, From a documentary filmmaker's perspective, I'd say there's never enough.
1: (laughs) So, um, uh, but in Pacifics, I think that uh, out in BC, it's particularly difficult because we very we have very few. We're not at the center, right? The center is Toronto. We have to admit it; they're the economic center of Canada, and Toronto and Montreal. So uh, we don't have a lot of funding opportunities out here, and uh, so it's very tough. Um, We have some new funds uh, coming out, uh, which are promising. But um, I just want to say it, it's, it's difficult to say who are on these juries. They're not like the Canada Council or the BC Arts Council where you can find out uh, where they put out, I think, calls for independent uh, juries. So I'm not sure how transparent they are and whether or not the, I don't know, whether or not, whether or not the decision-making is really um, unbiased, you know. And that's, that's my mm-hmm. take on it. I think I, I'm a bit worried about that because um, I think we need really, and we need, we need, to, have, um, we need to allow the community to the documentary community and the arts community just as the Canada Council has created uh, these communities to help decide what films should be made. Um, that, uh, To me, that's a, a bit of a critical uh, component of where the new funding is
0: coming from. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that, Leslie?
2: You know, I'm, I'm awfully lucky working primarily with our short doc strand because we fund the majority of our budgets And that allows us to move quickly, be a lot more nimble in response to stories that might be happening in the news, and we can get something going quickly and up online more quickly. So I'm very lucky in that sense that um, we're not as beholden to funding bodies, but I certainly know um, that my colleagues who are commissioning more longer-form projects... um, or they are indirectly beholden to that given that the filmmakers they're working with are are, um, relying on that funding. So, yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree with David that um, there's never enough. And, Mm. I mean, it's it's tough. It's expensive. Like, even making a short documentary is expensive. And there's not just, you know, it's it's not just the... um, the things that you would assume that you'd be paying for, like your camera person and stuff, but like it's insurance and closed captioning and describe video and all of these things add up. And, and you know, I think a lot of documentary filmmakers, probably like myself, are perfectionists where you just want to make it better and better and better. You just want to make this documentary the best it can possibly be. And most of the time you're going to eat up all your... Funds and not really pay yourself terribly well, so I, I think that can be a challenge as well as just making sure the documentaries. Mm-hmm. I can see David over himself. here.
0: He's like, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's the point yeah. right there.
2: Yeah, because I, I mean, that's that's it becomes the thing that you kind of worry about last. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you know, just making sure that people who are doing this job are properly paid for it. it it's very important. So. You know, that's not directly answering your question, but, um, but I think... It's okay. We're all you know, dancing it's here. It's all, right, of, it's all right. It's all right. I know it's an area of concern for yeah, filmmakers. Yeah. For I sure. mean, I think
1: for every documentary filmmaker making, making the real documentary material, it's, it's all passion projects, right? Yeah. I, I don't... I don't uh, I've worked commercially, and it doesn't bother me, you know, uh, if I have little time and little money. I'll make it all fit. Because I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not invested in the same way I am, right? So that's where it's different, right? You can be a commercial documentary filmmaker, you can be you can maybe doc series, and 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 that's great, um, and you want to get as many eyeballs out there, and you want to entertain people, but you're never quite as invested as you are when you've, you know, w- mm. uh, you know when you've then you're when you have a one-off, a short or a one-off uh, feature, and it's you, right? It's your mm-hmm. artistic vision. And it's your uh, soul on the line, and yeah. I know that I know that Leslie mentioned once at the end of one of a, a pitching session that she'd had, had participated in, and she said, I don't know if you want me to say this, but that there was a lot <laughs> of filmmakers who had, were literally in tears by the end of the, yeah. uh, uh, of the pitch because they're yeah. they're deeply invested. They're and deeply so,
2: invested. A lot of these stories are very personal to people. Like they're telling their sto- stories about themselves, or about their their mom, or their dad, or their siblings, and and even if it isn't someone they're related to, yeah, they care a lot about their subject,
1: mm-hmm. and, often, and they wanna yeah. do, they
2: want to do right by them.
1: And often the entry point for, for documentary filmmakers into any subject is a connection to that mm-hmm. subject, and that could be extremely profound.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in in some cases, that connection is there, but how? Uh, is it how is it possible to get that connection and show that connection? how much it actually matters
1: out there well yeah well how much you care is 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 visible on the screen it, mm-hmm. you know it's it's how you approach the interview it's how you s- uh, listen to these people talk. it's how you allow them to speak and uh you know and, and inevitably you become connected to your subjects if you really care, they become your okay. friends. You know, mm-hmm. this is a documentary that's about, you know, uh, corporate malfeasance or something. You know, <laughs> you may not get connected to some oil baron, obviously. But uh, if it's people you know and, or people you're getting to know, chances are you will get to love them at the end. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Have
0: you ever experienced that yourself? David? I always do. Wonderful. Unfortunately. <laughs> and it doesn't,
1: it doesn't affect uh, my, uh, my, my, well, it does actually affect my, um, what's the word for, objectivity. But I don't think there is any objectivity out there. I think objectivity doesn't mm. exist.
0: I actually agree with that a lot, man. I know that that's a very, very, very stingy subject, but I agree with that a lot. I mean, perception, oh, man, let's not get started on that. But, uh, yeah, what's your take on that, Leslie, real quick, before we dive too deep on there? Well,
2: I, I mean, I think it's very hard to be objective. I, I mean, I think you have to try your best, and I, th- I think it depends, too, on the on the subject matter of the doc itself. Um you know, I think if you're taking a very journalistic um, approach to it, you, know, you really try need to try to be as as balanced as possible. But um, but if it is a personal point of view project, yeah, I mean you have to get people to trust you, and um, I think it can be very hard. And I mean, it's I, it's hard to not have that those people's stories stay with you, right? I mean, before I worked at CBC, I was I worked on reality shows and i worked with a lot of really young competitors on those reality shows and and they had a tough time and i still think about some of them i think oh man you know i hope they're okay i hope that didn't Mm -hmm. um have a bad effect on them i you know i i do think about that and you, you have to i think you have to do right by people i mean you could just blaze in and out of people's lives and not care about them but i don't think it's go- yeah i don't i think it'll show in your work but i also think it'll affect your reputation as a documentary filmmaker and the more projects you try to get people aren't going to trust you uh, mm-hmm. because you'll have a reputation right
0: mhm mhm very interesting yeah it's uh, this is the beauty i feel you know this big contrast you know the the the, the sparkling and the invisible connection that ties mm-hmm. the filmmaker to the, you know, to, to the story. But at the same time, there is the square, the, the sharp square of the finances and and all that sharpness that is out there as well that needs to, <laughs> you know, it's like trying to find this, 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 the circle in the square or the square in the circle, like La Quadratura mm-hmm. del Cerchio. It's like, you know, like, mm, how do I make this <laughs> fit, you know? And, and sometimes it's 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 even personally uh, you, as a filmmaker, you don't know how much, you know, you should actually because as you said, uh, uh, there is a budget how much should uh, i invest if not all of it and how much should i key like how what is the what is the decision process right there how would you guys go through it is there an a, would you suggest an a, a percentage for the filmmaker to keep uh, to be able to stay alive or how would you suggest how would you tackle that decision
1: well Leslie, you should probably do that because you're constantly meeting filmmakers who are writing budgets for you and
2: right you know, and to be honest, I am not the person who usually reviews the budget in detail. So, I, I mean, I think we have, um, you know, sort of some parameters about, you know, how, what percentage of the total budget you should um, pay yourself or the maximum that you should pay yourself. But, um, you know, I think that you, it, I think it's really hard because, you know, at the beginning of a documentary, you're kind of guessing, right, about how much time you're going to spend on it and I think with more and more experience you're going to be guessing less and you'll have a much more specific idea of okay how many shoot days and how many edit days and how many research days all of those things so I think that you need to really really you know spend some time thinking about that up front and and what is a reasonable amount of money for you to make per week for that amount of time, um, but I think it's very challenging. It, I, I can't really tell you that there's one amount because also everybody's at a different skill level. So mm. what a person just getting out of film school might make versus a person who's been in the business a long time and is is and, and is more guaranteed to deliver a really high production value piece of content, you know. I don't know that they should necessarily pay themselves the exact amount of same amount of money. I think that there's room to grow within the business. So um but I think it's just I think it what you need to do is just not work in a vacuum and not be doing all this and not asking people questions. Like I think that it's really important to talk to other filmmakers and say, you know, what do you think about this? <laughs> Did you think that this is a reasonable amount? Or, you know, to be I think it's so important to reach out because I think documentary is often a very solitary business when you're working on your own projects from home. So, you know, uh, reaching out to people within organizations or else Facebook groups, maybe. um, I think that's the only way. Like when I was a freelancer, that's what we would do with each other is we'd all like kind of compare what we were getting paid on different shows Um, because it's kind of the only way you're going to know.
0: Wonderful! Thank you so much. I see a lot of uh, you know uh, encouragement of communication and connection and sharing, and I see David has something sure. to say as well, right there. Yeah, and
1: that's exactly why you want to be a member of the Documentary Organization of Canada, because <laughs> uh, and the BC chapter or any chapter across Canada, because that's where you meet people. We put on social yeah. events, we put on uh, workshops, and it's through those uh, those social events that we meet each other. And uh, and I wanted to say that it's Doc's thirty actually it's Doc's 35th anniversary this year. And so yeah. this year, everybody who wants to join Doc for the first time gets a 35% discount off their right. membership. Right on. And so how can people do that? They can go to the website of the Documentary Organization of Canada where the membership lists are, are uh, on there. You can go to membership. You can also see all the amazing um, you know, benefits you get from being a Doc member. And you can join up there. And then you can find out what your local chapter is doing by going to DocBC's Facebook page. Age, and going to the Doc BC website and um, and uh, getting involved and in coming out and meeting people and mm-hmm. that's uh, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I rejoined Doc uh, about six years ago. Uh, I'd been really deeply into my community for many years, making the documentary on Little Mountain, and I wanted to rejoin the community and find out how I could work towards finishing the film with with a lot of you know great advice from filmmakers across the country. Oh. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Wow. Thank you so much uh, to the both of you. And uh, before we actually uh, take off and take a second break and we, have, and, and we say goodbye to Leslie, I actually want to get a little more personal very quickly and ask oh. uh, you guys where you see yourself in five years.
2: Five years? Yeah. Where do I see myself? Well, I, I mean... I think I'll probably still be at CBC. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything can happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I love doing what I'm doing, you know, working in documentaries and specifically working with doc filmmakers. I have, um, in the last year and a half, I just completed a master's degree in media education. All right. And and, and I would say I'm interested in doing a little bit more in the education Space, so you know, I I would hope that maybe I'm alongside what I'm doing at work. I'm also maybe teaching a course to um, to young or or not so young Mm -hmm. (laughs) filmmakers. I I think um, you know, and and another area I've talked with David about this previously too is just working with working a lot more with Indigenous storytellers and um, giving them a platform. (laughs) For their stories, that, that's been something that's been really interesting and important to me. So I hope um, now that I've been working more in that space, I re- I would like to do even more in in terms of working with indigenous filmmakers. So. I think I guess I don't know exactly where I'll be in five years but it's in those spaces
0: okay interesting all right all right took uh, all the way around the color wheel right there I like it uh, David how about you <laughs>
1: god I don't know um I know what my wife would want me to be doing in the next five years which is-
0: <laughs> <laughs> making a steady nice.
1: paycheck with a job that actually made money um and you know who knows where I'll be in five years you know maybe i'll'll I'll, I'll take a break and and get a position with um I don't know a uh, the CBC or Knowledge know. Network or something who knows what <laughs> I mean I, I'd like to stay uh, focused on filmmaking I mean this has been a very long process making this latest documentary or maybe I'll just launch into another one I've got some ideas uh, it, it does really depend on you know the winds of fate
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we uh, listen to the beautiful uh, Vladimir's Blues from the Blue Notebooks uh, by Max Richter, chosen by David, uh, I actually want to ask Leslie, what's your piece of advice to the documentary filmmakers out there?
2: My piece of advice, I think, would be to um, tell the stories that you care about, um, what what means the most to you and um, to not be afraid to. To try things and to take chances and and to remember that you know you've tech uh, with technology these days it doesn't have to be a big production you could film something on your phone just try stuff don't you know don't wait until you have enough funding for a very a big project do little things just you know like as photographers do just never stop shooting never stop shooting never stop writing um because you need to hone your skills Mhm. Um, but then and then to pitch to CBC.
0: <laughs> right on. Okay, okay. There you go. Oh, David's got something to say, make it happen.
1: I totally agree. <laughs> I would add one more thing. When you're shooting, just get really good sound. No matter yeah, what you're shooting, at, right. just get good yeah. sound. You can shoot good on an iPhone sound. to make sure you might have a Zoom recorder True. or some other recorder there that's getting extremely good sound and then you can use the
0: footage. Oh, I see. I see. All time. right. That's that's a little golden tip Thank right you there. For that. Yeah. Leslie, <laughs> any shadow before we say bye?
2: no I just want to say thank you so much for having me it was great chatting with you
0: a pleasure this is the the art of connection life is the art of meeting Uh, we're going to take a little break over here and uh, finish and wrap up the episode wrap up this great burrito with David later on (laughs) and uh, see you ciao ciao Leslie enjoy life and uh, catch you ciao ciao catch you around life Uh, see you (laughs) bye bye Welcome back. There was the really, really quick break with the Vladimir's Blues by Max Richter. And this is the soundtrack chosen by David. Uh, uh, David, can I ask you, why do you choose that soundtrack?
1: Well, I you know it's a soundtrack that just is inspiring. It's dreamy. It has a kind of, uh, I don't know, a, uh, an edge to it, which is a little bit tragic. Um, <laughs> so I've used that. I've, just, I've placed that as what they call a temp track. On some of my footage, uh, Little Mountain, and it uh, tends to work really well.
0: I see, I see. All right, Let, we don't have much time right now. we actually going to wrap this burrito pretty quickly, and I want to get right to the beef for you, which is the one-minute pitch. Are you ready? I'm ready. So we basically, uh, here at Roomtone, we give the chance to the guests to pitch uh, for one, one minute, to pitch an idea or a project or anything, and I'm going to have a little clock ticking over here, and uh, let's just get straight to it. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Let's go for it. Well, everyone, um, I'm going to be
1: starting a, my second crowdfunding uh, uh, what, uh, campaign in the next few weeks uh, for the Little Mountain Housing Project. It's now called Champions of Little Mountain, and it comes out of the tragedy of Vancouver's housing shortage. Um, it's a film that has taken 10 years to make and follows a group of, uh, a very small group of, of tenants from the housing project who decided to fight back when the government uh, decided to take their homes and their community away. Um, It's a story about hope. It's a story uh, that makes it very clear that you don't get what you don't fight for. Um, A very important thing to learn. It's also about the power of community. And, um, you know, I think it's a very inspiring film. And uh, if you go to my website at littlemountainproject.com, you can find out more about it.
0: Awesome. You know what we're going to do? The, uh, we're actually going to put in the description of this podcast uh, the link to your website and the link to the page on CBC Short Docs so that everybody has a little bit of a better access to it. And we don't have much time. I told you we don't have much time. we got to go uh, through the five uh, questions of the Proust questionnaire. We're going to shoot it. Like shoot boom boom. Action reaction. Are you ready? ready? All right. So question number one. What is your greatest fear?
1: Oh uh, I don't know. Uh, being uh, ridiculed.
0: Okay, awesome All right, boom All right, second question On what occasion do you lie? Never Oh, wow Okay, I like that All right <laughs> If you could change one thing About yourself What would it be?
1: Uh, I would uh, I wouldn't uh, I don't know I wouldn't change anything right now
0: Awesome, I love that That's amazing, man I love it All right, fourth question Of the Proust questionnaire Where would you most like To live? Oh
1: well well, I'd like to live in Paris for a while,
0: okay, okay, all right, actually uh this one here we we, we went pretty quickly right there. I'm pretty happy with that, but uh, I want to ask you this this one question we can take a little more time over here. These questions usually take a little more time, and the final question of the first questioner for David is, what is the quality you most like in a woman oh i the most like in a woman
1: um she's everything i'm not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful right there. Wow, David's got those nice answers. He had them in the pocket, man. Look at that. Not bad at all. Just filling them out. Wonderful. All right. This is Room Tone, the radio show. I'm your host. We broadcast every Monday at 11 a.m. here on CITR 11.9 FM. If you're a guest, if you have something to say and to share to the community of filmmakers, just send me an email. Send me an email, an email, let's meet, come here on air, let's chat movies, we chat movies here because we love it. Thank you so much, everybody. Now, one more little thing, Um, big shout out to all the people out there who are listening. Uh, Without without an audience, there is no story, that's for sure. Uh, David, before we just fade out and fade to black, any shout out, anything you want to say to the people out there, anything, any other last piece of uh, you want to say?
1: I don't know, just keep at it. That's all I can say. Keep at it. Uh, you know, uh, feel your passion. Um, get a day job and then work on your documentaries on the side until, you know, or maybe forever. I don't know. You know, it's a, just keep on going at it. You know, feel your passion for documentary. Make them.
0: Thank you so much, David. Really appreciate that. This is On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter. See you. Ciao, ciao, everybody.